When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But you were giving me this cry me your white tears thing earlier. I know, but I, it's difficult. I agree. I think it's difficult as a black boy. I think it's difficult as a man. I think it's difficult bearing a willy, which is no. why some people don't want them anymore. Okay. I'm going to call this episode, <laughs> It's Difficult Bearing a Willy. So this is a really fun one. I was fortunate enough to get an interview with the illustrious TV historian and presenter, Dr. Tessa Dunlop, who, as it happens, shares an agent with me who shall be referred to in this episode as Hillary, because that is her name. Tessa is the most unique person I've met inside and outside of the industry. I think she should be a stand-up comedian because she's totally nuts and nothing like you might imagine of a doctor who won the Gertrude Easton Prize for History at St Hilda's College, Oxford University. Of course, she does really know her stuff and has a passion for all things Romanian, including her husband, who she met when he was 12. Stick around for that story, if nothing else. She often appears on TV chat shows, and she also wrote The Century Girls, about 100-year-old women, and The Bletchley Girls, about the women involved in the World War II codebreakers at Bletchley Park, of course. You know the one with Benedict Cumberbatch, that's the film. She's totally risque, naughty, and flirty, but also one of the kindest and funniest people I know. She's here to discuss her new show, Who is Romania?, where she delves into a fascinating history in a really fun and accessible way. You'll find links to this show, which is free, so you have no excuse not to watch it, on her Twitter account, at Tessa Dunlop, that's T-E-S-S-A Dunlop, D-U-N-L-O-P, at Tessa Dunlop, or Instagram, Tessa underscore Dunlop. If you are going on Twitter to do that, you've got no excuse not to follow me on AndrewGold underscore OK. I have far fewer followers than she does and need your love much more. You'll also find her series all over her Tessa Dunlop Facebook page, where the videos are getting mad, crazy numbers of views, and her YouTube page, funnily enough, also called Tessa Dunlop. Among other things, we bitch about the TV industry, talk inappropriately about woke culture, and dive into the nuances of the Meghan versus the royal family debate. We also speak about her time hunting for ghosts in Egypt with the late psychic TV personality Derek Akora. Next week, I'm talking with female Irish professional wrestler Rhea O'Reilly about some pretty crazy stuff that's been going on that's been wildly underreported in the UK and the US. More on that at the end. But for now, I'm about to get a rather stern telling off from Tessa. Okay. Now, Andrew. Yeah. I gather. Yeah. That you rang Hillary. Oh my God. And said, oh my God, what am I going to talk to Tessa about? Romania. Romania's so uncool. Oh my God, you're so funny. How quick is she to, to tell you that? She's such a snitch. Wait, you're not coming through my headphones. Oh, because I haven't plugged them in. One sec. Yeah, you've got to plug them in. Andrew, you've got to understand <laughs> that Hillary and me. Yeah. I look quite wrinkly. Wait, you look gorgeous. What are you talking about? At my age, my darling. At my your age. age. You're, the way you talk about your age. So for people who can't see Tessa right now, I mean, you, you've said yourself you're like a, a much, much younger Joanna Lumley sort of figure. Is that fair? Can I tell you a story? I write 
books about very old women and Phyllis was, God bless her, she was one, you're not, you're not meant to have favourites, I would have made a really bad teacher, but Phyllis was a favourite, yeah. born in India, um, an Anglo-Indian, well she wasn't actually, she was classified as a white Indian, but you know, she was a little bit, you know, when she came to Scotland, they thought she had quite a good suntan in right. 1943, and um, she arrived, she had the most extraordinary accent, because of course it was, you know, cultivated in the Raj, and then she arrives in Paisley, Scotland. So she had this really curious, cute accent. Anyway, back to Phyllis. Yeah. Um, she was 101 when she died, and the year before she died, she was on it, compus mentis. Yeah. And she rang me up, and she went, Tessa, Tessa. I said, yes, Phyllis, you're on the television. And I said, no, Phyllis, I'm not. I'm on the phone to you. No, no, you are. So I rushed to the television, BBC Two. So I go and I'm really excited. Maybe they're playing a repeat or something. And it's Joanna Lumley. Oh my God. And I'm like, Phyllis, <laughs> she's nearly 40 years older than me. <laughs> By that point, I don't think she was compass mentors. I think that was the point because you are that much. It could have been a, was it a repeat of her from back in the day, Abs Fats? No, no, it wasn't. It is the, I think it's the Joanna Lumley aspects, partly because I sound a bit posh, which it's I blame on well. my mother. Yeah. yeah. It's the blonde hair. Yeah. I am now getting believe it or not, a teeny weeny bit wrinkly. And, but yeah. I think the bigger thing is it's our slight inappropriateness. Yes. Yeah. There's, that, there's a naughty we, side, isn't there? Yeah. If we mm. were men, we'd have been branded sex pests, but we're women. So you'd probably, good. you'd be in prison. Yeah, maybe. When with good reason. <laughs> quite I know. I have a motto, MTF. Do you know what MTF stands for, Andrew? Uh, it's got to have a fuck in it. No, it doesn't. Oh God, I forgot this is podcast landing one can swear. No, no, no <laughs> yeah. fucking here, my boy. Yeah. In fact, my motto when I was younger was touchy feely flirty, no inserty. Oh my God. Yeah. Touchy feely. Let's let's break that down. Hang on. Touchy feely. Right. Yeah. And this is this is this what is that advice? Just generally. Well, when we went to clubs as girlfriends, you know, in our early twenties. Touchy feely, okay. Flirty. Flirty. No inserty. No inserty. Not on the dance floor. And you would have a kiss a thong. How many men could you kiss in a club? And okay. if it's like just a kiss, it doesn't really count. But of course with COVID times, I mean I'd be branded a killer for that. Yeah, murderer. Kiss a thong. What was your record? Not that. I was never as good as Cloda. She was a really good dancer, though, and I could right. never really dance. I could Is that a friend of yours? It. Yeah. Are you one of those people that mentions friends in sentences without saying my friend so-and-so, so people are never sure if we're supposed to know who they are? Oh, she's a famous Cloda. No, she, okay. she is my friend, actually. But she, she's actually, famous as well. We're having a bit of a cold war at the moment. Let's skip over that. I mean, oh, no, have, I want to know about that. No, no, no. Do you have that <laughs> with friends where you just pop them down for a few years and then pick them back up again? Maybe, not, maybe it's just me. I think, you know what, often as you get older, when you have that kind of Cold War thing, you don't, they mm. don't get picked up again, do they, really? Yeah, Putin and Trump, get with the picture. No, but the, <laughs> the real friend <laughs> thing, I mean, when you're, if you're a 30, 40, 50-year-old person, you've not spoken to someone for a few years, I think it's safe to say, unless, it, unless there was no, no argument so at all. It's oh so my wrong. God. So you might not re-engage in the same internet and intense terms. Yeah. You may be a little more coy or careful, but, oh, you re-engage. In the end, if they're worth if they're worth getting back with, a friend of mine, we were super intense. I mean, I was super jealous when she went to live next door to our identical twin on the other side of the city. I couldn't speak to her; I was so jealous. And people don't talk about jealousies and friendships. I'm what are you talking about? Friend. Identical twin on the other other side. Well, my friend was an identical twin to another twin, obviously not me. Yeah. And she she chose to live next door to her identical twin, not me, and I was jealous. Uh. 
piece of I mean, shit. people think that people wouldn't admit that, but I think we need to be more honest about jealousy. Yeah. It's like one of the, the, the seven deadly sins, isn't it? But actually it's there in you and it's envy. about how you, yeah, envy. It's how you control it. It's biblical. It's positively, it rides around yeah. inside your gut. And some people I think obviously have that less than others. Yeah. I just out in myself as the most unpleasant woman on the planet. No, but you're right. You're, you know what? I always get wound up by this actually because I I, th- I think there's a huge culture war as we all know going on and it, well, it's going on on every side. It's not a war as such. Yeah. It's just everyone's angry at each other. One of the things that I get frustrated and I think one particular side gets frustrated with the other is the failure to admit that we are quite sort of fallible, angry, jealous human beings. Yeah, and that is where social media gets it so kind of horribly wrong. This is kind of pretense that we're sharing and caring and we're retweeting and we're, but actually it's generally self-interested. It's motive yeah. and a whole lot of comparison stuff. I mean, you know, for every endorphin you get for a like on Twitter, you get the equivalent and times 10 crash when no one yeah. likes anything. I mean, how many times have you Googled Louis Theroux and said, I want to be like you? <laughs> Come on, just be honest, Andrew. Just be honest. It's... On the edge, Andrew Gold, hashtag, wants to be like Louis Theroux. <laughs> Let me tell you this, right? The, a few weeks ago. Do you not laugh ever, Andrew? So do I not laugh? Have I not been <laughs> laughing? I laugh inwardly. I'm fine. I'm, this is how oh. it's a psychopath. people tell me all the time. I don't show enough like gratitude when I'm happy and stuff. And I'm like, no, this isn't, this is my happy face. I couldn't be your lover. There's no way I can be your lover. You'd be glad to hear. I'm too old for you anyway. The, the thing with Louis Theroux, right? So firstly, it was always Hugh Grant. It wasn't Louis Theroux growing up. That was, that was the guy I loved. I loved Hugh Grant. I loved Robbie Williams as well. Those were two people. I, I love Robbie to. Williams, but Hugh Grant's a bit sleazy. I think a little bit. He's very good on press press control but i think around, this conduct around women i mean i know i've already acted myself as handsy but I'm, yeah I'm not sure hang on you. have you just said robbie williams and hugh garton you've got you've defended robbie williams yeah i love robbie williams he's got a real he was a bit sleazy maybe as well yeah but he's from a different he's like boy next door isn't he and, and i know mm. that i used to work on tfi friday chris evans tfi friday you're probably oh, yeah, too young yeah. to remember that no, i remember that. friday i remember my dad and um I used to ferry the bands backwards and forwards. Right. And Robbie Williams, I ferried him. I mean, not literally, I didn't carry him. I just escorted him to his dressing room and back. And it was a memorable day. There was lots of them. I, I was tone oh. deaf, so I never really knew. I used to have to go and buy Q magazine. Yeah. So it was before there was too much on the internet. And to work out which celebrity and what they looked like so I could meet them and make sure I uh, called them the right name. Well, Robbie's and, great, uh, man. He was just on Adam Buxton's uh, podcast. And Adam Buxton really wasn't very kind to him. He laid into him for, Why? yeah, have a listen to it after i don't want people listening to this to listen to that because they should listen to this but when they've done with that they should go and he really really was like having a go at him it was like oh it was poppy rubbish that you did and i like adam buxton so i'm not having a go at him it's just he just didn't like robbie i think i just love robbie and he he actually delivers some great music i think he wanted adam buxton to like him it was very important for robbie that adam buxton like him and it was really it was hard to listen to going back to the louis theroux thing he started following this podcast on twitter about three or four weeks ago right and he just had a series out called life on the edge right well obviously so he knows this is called on the edge with andrew gold so i messaged him and I said, because, I, you know, I said, hey, like, I like that you've um, copied my name for the, you must have liked my name or, for the show. And he replied and he got my name wrong. He said, hi, hi, Nate. Oh, God, that's hurtful, isn't it? <laughs> but can I, that's so hurtful because there's going to be something beautiful starting there. But can I say, I once met Louis Theroux in a queue in a hospital before COVID times so when one could be social and lean across. And there was an absolute nutter at the end of the queue yelling at him. 
slight gesticulating and pointing. You've been filming, obviously. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> I'm going to compliment you. He wasn't quite as good looking as you because oh, I have an antenna out. for handsome men. No, get out of here. True. No. Right, and there was this chappy at the end, and he was a bit, you know, <laughs> off. You know, as you are in hospital, sometimes you're not at your best. Yeah. And to be fair to Louis, through although the whole queue was watching. He did handle it like a consummate professional, like yeah. this was his best friend from down the street and he just needed kind of to be loved a little bit and right. then move on. And I did think, so obviously... because He's a nice obviously, bloke. He's, he's a, a nice, nice bloke. bloke. And maybe he's threatened by you, Andrew. Yep. Upstart, new kid on the block. You know what you know, happened was I said to him that, because I, t- I talked about the podcast and I said, oh, and also we we both interviewed a guy called Nate. Nate is uh, the son of the Westbrook Baptist Church founder. Yes. So we'd both met him and stuff like that. So I said, oh, and Nate said hi or something like that. So he replied, hi, Nate. So I think it was just, he's getting a million things a he second. Is. That's the so. other thing. I've known some producer friends and they say he's always on his phone when yeah. they work with him. He's lovely, but he's always on his phone. So I think you're lucky to even have been yeah. given the wrong tag. Yeah, just be yeah. a grateful doggy. No, exactly. It was nice. It's, he follows it. I doubt he sees it in his, in his... Maybe he's watching this, though, listening to this. Hi. Hi. I'm Louis because He is actually, although he's a little bit old for me, I do find him quite attractive. He's anyway, handsome. Yeah. He, he is, is handsome. very handsome. Yes. Do you remember what you said to me when you first met me? No, Andrew, I don't. Cause it, oh, yes, I did. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I thought you were 10 years younger than you were. First, I? I can't remember. You thought I was 10 years older than I was. Oh, yeah, 10 years older. Something went wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. you came in, you just came into the office like a tour de force. And I just got into like, I just made my Exorcist documentary. And I was like, okay. And I just met Hillary like once or twice, um, our agent. And I was in this, and it was like, you were the first sort of taste of showbiz that I saw. And you came God. in like a hurricane into the room. I was amazed, like throwing babies everywhere and all this stuff. And you said, uh, you asked if I had a girlfriend very quickly. And yeah, I said, I, how yes. And you Jen said, how long, <laughs> Exactly. You said, how old is she? And I said, she was 26 or whatever. And I was 30, but you thought I was 40. And I think you thought I was being like a, a cradle snatcher. And you said, I, yeah. <laughs> you said oh, that was quite an impressive age gap. It was a bit Trump esque. Yeah. Or, but, yeah. Or, or, yeah, I mean, but, but maybe that's because I've got aspirations to be Brigitte to uh, Macron. You know, right. I mean, anything goes these days. Anything goes. In fact, Macron. do you think I could put off a Brigitte? I think Macron's a little bit small, actually. I've been checking him out, and he's like a sort of undersized Tony Blair, twenty right. years too late. When you say put off, um, Brigitte, right? That's the woman. That's his wife. That's his wife. Sorry. Right. Yes, I think the first lady of France. If you're not clocked in, she always wears really nice Chanel outfits and has a sort of honey-coloured tan. Yeah. She was his teacher. Yeah, she was his teacher. Okay, we'll All skip right. over that. But she rocks her wrinkles. Oh, good luck. Because I've now got to the age that a lot of women of my age have got to. It's do you Botox, don't you? And actually, Brigitte, I think I've said her name right. I've no yeah. idea. Um, she she doesn't. I don't think okay. she does. Not very much. Maybe a bit of light Botox, but nothing too heavy duty. Nothing too Melania. You said to me. Peaches and, peaches and cream in a nice arsehole. Right. Moving swiftly <laughs> off the arsehole and amazing. into the peaches and cream. Yeah. Um, I, I had something pressing I wanted to talk about, Andrew, and I can't even remember what it was. Oh, I know. To prove that I am a proper D-list celebrity, mm. I have some very important <laughs> letters by my name. Do you want to tell me what they are? Um, what, after your name? By my name. You can put them either side. I don't know which side they go. What could that possibly mean? What do you yeah. mean, like professor sort of thing? No, because we know that I'm a doctor. I hope you credited yes. me at the top of the podcast. Not I haven't that. done it yet. I haven't not done the that, intro. So not I'll that go- doctor thing. That doctor <laughs> Dunlop right. thing. Yeah. D-R. Not that. Yeah, not those letters. They're a given. 
That was always going to happen. What's it got to do with peaches and cream? Uh, Okay, I have signed something. Yeah. And those, I can have those three letters. I'm going to put them by my name. Dr. Tessa Dunlop, brackets. Nobody knows this. I've not gone public with it because legally I'm not really allowed to, but it's your podcast. I'm just presuming you're a baby cast. Baby cast, no one's listening, so I'm just going to share, overshare. Yeah, yeah. An NDA. Non-disclosure agreement. Bang, 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 yeah. What? I'm an nda I sued someone, and in order to get the money, they silence you. To, so they, they're guilty, basically, more or less. That's in my head, they're guilty, obviously. That's why I sued them. And to give you the money, they silenced you. And it's what all the girls, not all the girls, we're all doing it. But, you know, the huge hoo-ha about Harvey Weinstein and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was all about women. You Loads and loads of women had tried to kind of cut. Obviously, it wasn't done over by Harvey Weinstein. I wouldn't be sitting here today. I've been in an L.A. studio, <laughs> darling. Yeah. But, um, no, mine was British. You know, you tackle the, 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 the behemoth. Normally, it's a big corporate company or a man belonging to a big corporate company. Normally, it's a man, not always. Hmm. And um, in order to stop the bad press... They silence you. So they give you a chunk of money, knowing that your pockets are never going to be as deep as theirs. And you sign a thing saying, you know, I will not mention this man's name. I will not mention this case. But now that it's all kind of trendy to be a little bit of a victim and stuff, I'm like wearing my NDA. Well, I'm just yeah. trialing it on your show. Hi, Tess with an N- a Dr. Tess with an NDA. You can almost wrap <laughs> it, do you think? <laughs> so let's, you know what, in that, in the interest of that, let's, let's yeah. say who it was. Let's out this guy. No, I can't quite do that yet, Andrew. No. I'd be sued, wouldn't I? Well, I don't know where legally, I tell you what, it's not mm. even that. It's just it, it, when it all happened, it was hugely stressful and unpleasant. And I think it puts you off the idea of going back in there. And also, I think this is really key. I don't think society at the moment, despite all the kind of Me Too bandwagoning, yeah. is at the stage where we put the victim above the accused. So mm. who can you name about the Harvey Weinstein incident? You can name Harvey Weinstein. Where are his accusers? Where are the victims? Even mm. in the Epstein case, you know, I think it's Victor- uh, Virginia well, Roberts. Vic- victims want anonymity, anonymity a lot of the time, don't they? Presumably. A lot, but even when they don't have anonymity, because obviously people forewent their anonymity sure. with Harvey Weinstein or it with the woman who the shaved Prince her Andrew. head. There's a woman with the shaved head. Don't know. Anyway, moving on from her, I'm going to Epstein and the blonde girl who's done an incredible sterling job in the campaign, Virginia um, Andrews, Robert, somebody. But my point is, ah, it's a poison chalice. She's having to live it every day. It's consumed her life. And I just think you... Victims don't want to be identified solely as victims. Did you see what I mean? There's generally so much more to them. So I'm, 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 I'm not... Yeah, I don't know if I ever will, actually, to be honest. But I just thought I'd share that with you. I think you have so much to you and to your personality that you could never be defined as any one thing. So As just a victim, an nda No. Yeah, but I bet you there's lots of people in, what if it's called, clear vision, clear view, hiding mm. in clear view, who have mm-hmm. NDAs that you don't know about. Wow. Yes. Victims. Well, who were victims at some point, yes. Yes, and were silenced. Yeah. And I spent mine on a new loo. I've got a new bathroom. My pale. Well, good. good. <laughs> Every time I do, yeah, no, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> on my golden throne. <laughs> delving into the serious here, yes. do you think that you feel a certain as a as a woman who came into the industry, particularly in the what would it nineteen fifties? No, nineteen nineties. Would it have been late nineteen nineties? Very late nineteen nineties. Well, we hadn't gone through Me Too and stuff. Do you have mm. to adopt maybe a very um, not confrontational? What's the word I want? Like, you know, confidence. I think it's all about power. And this wasn't at the time when I moved forward to sue. 
um, this wasn't fully understood. It was before I sued, in fact, before um, Jimmy Savile even. So it's mm. the kind of whole culture, cultural shift that's happened in the last 10 years. Um, I don't think we, you know, everyone was like, but, you know, were you actually like physically abused? And that is about physical power. Yeah. And it's Who actually... Says that? Well, you know, a lot of people when they are when they're talking about these in these contexts. I remember sitting with a very famous woman and a, and a, and a man at a dinner party, and he kept saying, "Yeah, but did he actually hit you?" And I'm like, "You're totally missing the point." Hmm. She was talking about a relationship she'd had. Um, it's about power, and that power can manifest itself physically, and also in in manifest itself in other ways. Now, if you're in an industry, a very narrow industry like showbiz, television, radio, film, where there are very few options often, yeah. you know, and you're ambitious and the, the lines are blurred, you know, it's not the usual kind of, you know, come up in front of the board, you know, with an equalities monitor and ticking the boxes. It's like, you know, literally still couch, couch casting, at least it certainly was in the late 1990s. I think um, you are unaware maybe initially of this kind of power dynamic that yeah. the person who's employing you has all the power, although you may feel empowered as an attractive young woman, yeah. actually that is an asset that can very quickly turn into something quite abusive from the point of view of the employer. The other thing is that I, that, that funnily enough, even my lawyer hadn't really um, considered before is if you are known in your office or in your, you know, wherever you're working as just there because the boss wants to fuck you, it doesn't really do you any favors professionally. It doesn't win you friends because they're like, oh, she's just the blonde who the boss wants to pork. And it doesn't, you know, and so people, you're, it's much harder to be taken seriously professionally. And I think that's why, I think there's a bit, all that stuff, baggage of being blonde and, you know, in, mm. and in that kind of role, that subservient role in my 20s is one of the reasons why I went and did a doctorate. Because I think, you know, I think Dan Snow doesn't need letters after his name or before them, and I damn well do. And that is partly because I have a fanny and we're only in the 21st century. Maybe these things will change. Yeah. Do you think it might be changing a little bit? I, I'm... Like I said, there's loads of bandwagoning, you know, and, and um, mm. all this kind of wokey-woke stuff. Yeah. It has this huge kind of vocal power behind it and lots of sort of social media drives. But actually, um, if you look at where the mass of population sit and where what our media, how tilt, far tilting to the right our media is, I'm yeah. not sure there's that much of a change, I've got to be honest. I think people have to be more careful, don't they? Employers have to be much more wary and people who got away with really cavalier behaviour and couch casting yeah. now have to, you know, watch their step and also be careful not to leave a paper trail. And be, It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, though, and it doesn't mean we necessarily sympathise with the victims. You know, pretty yeah. flirtatious women don't, don't cut particularly effective victims, you know, in, mm. in press. I've been talking a bit with uh, on the on the podcast. We had some sort of like anti woke people. We had this uh, somebody called Helen Pluckrose, who's this writer, and she's yeah. great. But she she said that she believes that women have been left behind in the woke thing, and that uh, oh, that's because men can't multitask. Did you not know this? I mean, I'm sorry to go back to an old sex trope or sexist trope, I yeah. should say. But <laughs> quickly correct myself. Um, but it's absolutely true. There was research done. Um, I think it was over the last thirty years where if you looked at how well ethnic minorities and women progressed in the workplace, yeah. um, every time ethnic minorities kind of went up a bit, you know, in terms of their job, how many were on the board or the CEO or smashed the glass ceiling, women fell behind and right. vice versa. It's like we can't manage both at once. That's so right insane. now, yeah, with the Me Too things, we chucked out the window because we've got Black Lives Matters. Like, oh, my goodness, you know, yeah. we can't possibly juggle two issues at the same time. You there know, was, and there's uh, J.K. Rowling. We've got to thank her for all the transgender issues. So, you know, 
it is like, whoa, this is a snowstorm. So let's just remember we're white and male and bloody well rule the world. How are you as a white male, actually? How does that feel every day? Dressing oh. down your guilt, addressing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know personally that it's not as simple as that. Not for a white, I know, Andrew. A white man hard. trying to get into the industry. It's so tough. Can I help you in any way? <laughs> yeah. Give <laughs> Can me, I give you a small crutch? Tell you what, I said to someone the other day, because as, as you know, and I have spoken about it a little bit, but I don't want to speak very, you know, as soon as you speak very publicly about it, then you become Lawrence mm. Fox. And I'm not Lawrence yeah. Fox. I'm just me. So uh, I did but say- Lawrence that, Fox, you see, he did so well on Twitter. Let me just check where Lawrence Fox is out on social media these days. Yeah. Well, he's doing all right, but it's 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 an ugly crowd, isn't it? It's an, it's an ugly, you don't want that crowd around. No. I wouldn't want that. Well, they're very, they buy books because they tend to tilt to the right and they, they're older. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just being really cynical here. <laughs> no, okay. I don't, you're not you've wrong. You've got to have a crowd. Yeah. You know, and uh, they probably watched Coast more yeah. than Wokers did. And I presented Coast and they probably buy books about the Second World War and I write books about the Second World War. There you go. They're less likely to fall into the, my third camp, my third passion, mm. uh, which is Romania. They're not interested about That's Romania. That's the whipping boy of Europe. They're not interested in Romania because they think Romanians aren't properly European. I think some of them think that anyway. And um, and they and I kind of blame, that's kind of part of the Brexit narrative, isn't it? That we're like different or exceptional, better than Europeans, even though it's mainly East Europeans. And they've also got totally lost in the Black Lives Matter and the feminist thing. Where sure. Where is our clapping for the East Europeans? It's about the two biggest foreign national minorities in Britain are Poles and Romanians. Yeah. We should be out there banging our tins for them. They've been unable to go home because of quarantine, working in our care homes, working in our hospitals, working in our supermarkets. I know because I speak a bit and I hear it on the street. Yeah. I like run after them go, can you speak a bit of Romanian to me? Like I'm like a little doggy. And I was like, I fancy most Romanian men who walk on pavements. Handsome, or even if handsome, they're crawling. <laughs> handsome Romanians. They, yeah. they, they can be quite handsome. Um, Romanians, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I would we say so. quite. I'm married to one. And I fancy lots. Uh, so, yeah. And I put them on, you could get, you're a bit more Serbian looking, actually. <laughs> They're sort of well, taller and darker. They're more yeah. looking, sort of not quite, yeah. But I've always <laughs> had a weak spot. But it's really interesting where... I've got Romanian blood. I don't believe you. Oh, well, I you're do. Well, you're a bit Italian because they were part of the Roman Empire. No, my dad's, my dad's a mum. Her parents came from Romania. Were they Jewish? Yeah. There we go. That's what? interesting, isn't it? That's <laughs> I just, I just was making a guess there because in the turn of the nineteenth century into the twentieth, mm. the largest, the proportionally, the biggest Jewish minority in the world, proportional to the population size, was in Romania. So the the biggest mi- minority. Yes. That's like that's like how when does a pond become a lake sort of thing? No, no, no. Yeah, but it, what I mean is, so Russia had far more Jewish people. Yeah. But they're a much bigger country. So right. in relation to the size of Romania, of they Jews had the there. biggest Jewish yeah, um, uh. Uh, population who they failed to enfranchise. In fact, given that I love Romania, I think we should move. They've not managed to totally come to terms with their relationship with anti-Semitism. Mm. But, um, uh, but in, um, if I may just quickly say in my new series, Who is Romania? Don't cut yeah. this bit out, you little bastard. <laughs> but there is um, an amazing interwar Jewish writer, Mihail Sebastian, yeah. Jewish-Romanian. Yeah. Um, who, despite the vicious anti-Semitism of the time, and Romania has to put their hand up to that, and they've started doing that more recently, which is a good thing. He wrote the most spell-binding books and plays. Very rarely, very rarely self-pitying. And it's okay. uh, several of them have been translated into English. And I, I would ask you, as 
actually someone with Romanian Jewish heritage. I'm going to send you one as a Christmas present, Andrew. Oh, great. I will get it to my dad His straight journal, away. journal or over two, of 2,000 years. Yeah. Or, um, or you could write the one of coming of age. Uh, yeah. One, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. Just address it to my father. He will want to read it. My dad will want to read it. Would he? Okay, Mihal Sebastian. They won, one of them won the English Pen Award. Good. Right. Well, there you go. Well, you know, everything's shit. I mean, this this is one of the issues. You can't. It's it, it's very complicated because everybody is everybody's quite self interested, as you said at the beginning of the podcast. You know, we are. Is that we cynical are. though? I mean, altruism is no. inspired by self interest yeah. without a desire to do good, which is motivated by wanting to make ourselves feel better. Nothing good would happen. Would exactly. It? But that's um, why a lot of people don't. Yeah, we don't really believe people when they're when they're doing the virtue signaling because people are left out. That's what I mean. You said the Poles and the Romanians. I feel women were left out at the moment. I feel Jews are left out. And you feel out. a bit left out, don't you? feel a bit left out. I feel the Jews have been left Can we just go back to virtue signaling? Yes. But I also think there's a really interesting thing. You know, the Stacey Dooley and the white savior complex and she goes and hugs the black orphan for children in need or something right, last right. year. Do you remember? And there's yes. a huge hoo-ha. Yeah. Maybe you weren't across it. I do remember. I know I'm always right. following Stacey Dooley. I know what she's doing. Are you? Yes. Yeah, she's, she's got a finger on the wind, you know. She's, she's much more successful than me. She is, and me. <laughs> um, so old Stacey Dooley. Um, I was interested by that because I went, the reason I've got this long, long love affair with Romania was that yeah. after the revolution, you'll be too young to remember this, all this news stories broke about the orphanages. And I went out there and I yeah. literally hugged orphans for nine months. Right. There were lots of pictures of me looking like Stacey Dooley with blonde hair, hugging orphans. But the orphans were white, right? Mm. So there was never a thing that like, um, you know, is a, a white saviour thing, but it was, but it was within Europe. Does, mm. does that make sense? So you yeah. can other, at the moment, all the narratives about um, Black Lives Matter, that's where the, the kind of crisis point has been identified. But I would say, again, we, we f- fail to recognise the way Britain and British people other other countries so make them seem less. Does that make yeah. sense? I was having this Look conversation last, last night with a friend, actually, and we were talking about, it was a friend of mine who's of Indian origin, mm. and she was talking about how she found it offensive when people mocked or did an impression of an Indian accent, right? But if somebody right. did a Russian accent or something, it wasn't offensive, and she was trying to place, very, very self-reflective, you know, trying to place why is it that it's so offensive to me? Yeah. And it, is it about the ethnicity part and the colour and whatever it might be? It's really complex, isn't it? It's really complex. It's about the sort of the back foot aspect. But also I remember once um, being on the radio and talking about a Polish plumber or whatever, and I'm always mm. a bit more kind of freewheeling when I talk about East Europeans because I'm married to one and I feel sure. heavily invested in, in the remaining. And somebody rung up and complained. And I then went home really, really anxious, thinking, oh, my God, I've done something terrible. And they said to me, oh, no, you can't really be rude about another white country predominantly mm. white country and I was like oh where does that leave us Did you, it, it is really interesting about the sort of pecking order like America is anyone's game isn't it do, yeah. do you know what I mean we can all do a Yankee accent and kind of be as rude as sure. you like because they're the big boys France yeah. Germany yeah they're easy to take a pop out yeah. although I think the Germany thing is a little bit because it's a bit what well, now it's become quite torturous because of Brexit you see that stabs mm. you with a political colour oh. but I'm but yeah. you see, there's, there's two things about Brexit. One is, is it that we don't like how successful Germany's become post-war? They're big, they're booming again, even COVID. Like it's mm. kind of almost to me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a European, but it's a bit annoying that Angela Merkel mummying you all in Germany and the, the low COVID levels. How the hell have they got away with it? Yeah. So there's a little bit of that where Britain, I think, feels belittled 
by Germany in particular and that close relationship between France and Germany. And the other thing is about these East European countries and mm. us wanting, you know, like to have, be able to select the East Europeans we want and not just have them freewheeling into our country. That's what we need them now. So we're happy to have them when it rains, but not when yeah. it's sunny. My girlfriend just got a uh, Polish passport because she's from Argentina. I was going to say a Polish lover. I she's got a Polish her. lover. God, your mind always goes there, doesn't it? It does, you, yeah. You wish she was I, having a Polish lover. Well, it would but, be exciting, wouldn't it? I could ask you some more interesting questions with a little, an extra dimension. Yeah, he comes round on Fridays and we yeah. should, you know, no, he, she's got and a does he mend the loo? That would be the, <laughs> sorry to go back oh to the Oh my God, Tessa. No, but that's to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get phone call-ins, even though I don't have, it's not even a call-in show. People are going to be so yeah, offended by you. Yeah, but my point is, it's about breaking down those stereotypes, isn't it? So I've just reinforced it. You know, you have to joke about things, don't you? Do. You do. Oh. God, anyway. Why has she got a Polish passport? As it happens, she's also of Jewish origin and her, her grandparents were sort of forced out of Poland and all of that. So we were able to get a Polish passport. Right. So why haven't you got a Romanian one? Do you not want a Romanian one? Come on, I would love one. But my husband, yeah. he's Romanian and he won't help me facilitate me getting my Romanian passport. We talked about it. And you know what the weird thing about the Polish one was? I think I am right in... No, you know what? I'm definitely not right. But there was one of them where you what? have to... It has to go through the man for you to be able to get the passport. Well, I mean, they did spend a long time behind the Iron Curtain. Not right. everything changes at the same rate and the rate we might necessarily want it to change at. That Iron Curtain. And you're more likely to get a break as a presenter, perhaps in Poland as a result of that. They've got oh. quite a far-right government. If I last time I checked, a fairly nationalistic one. Yeah, they'd take a white man. Yeah, they might. They, they might, might take they don't, you, Andrew. Well, maybe not a Jewish guy. I'd have to hide that. But hide I, that. Yes, yeah, stop flaunting <laughs> that. You could become Andrew yeah. Gobb. On the edge instead of Andrew Gold, and and um, you would be no longer Smith. on the edge, but right in the center of things. In the center of things, yeah. I um, oh, I was going to say. So I'm thinking, mm. who can mm. we bitch about in like the industry? Because last time I was with you, we were going around like talking to lots of celebrity people, and I think you hated all of them. Is there someone that we can bitch? God, did I? That's terrible. I can't believe that I would hate people. Oh my goodness, I never hate anyone. How could you say that? There was a, oh, actually, no. I mean, you know, I was going to hint things, but because of we're all at the same agency, even hinting would give it away. So there's no yes, problem, is there? That would but, be unfair. Uh, Don't hint things. Yeah. What I would say is that our, I do um, think some celebrities wear their celebrity very lightly and are very, and are very grateful for it and share it. Mm. And I think sometimes, especially if it's, I think Britain, much as I love my native land, mm. um, has several flaws that even America doesn't have. And one is, as my American friend says, son or daughter of. So yeah. if you are the son or daughter of somebody famous, you tend mm. to just get swept along in their success. Okay. And hey, presto. Like who? Well, the Fox Dynasty you mentioned earlier, for example. The Foxtons? The Fox Dynasty that you oh, mentioned right. earlier. The Fox Dynasty. Yeah. I Who think, else did I mention earlier? Louis Theroux. I think also for, uh, people who might have been successful, but they might not have been successful. Or it's given you know, lots of examples. The Dimblebees, the Snows. Come on, there's loads. Let's get they're them. All, they're all pale, stale men. I could argue they're on those last three sets that we made. Well, you know anyway. what? That winds me up more than anything because it, that, that is the case that it was obviously hugely mm. a white man thing. It's not now. It Statistically, was. white men are the most underrepresented people on TV. Cry me your white tears, you could say. But they oh are. Oh, my God. They Can, are. We just, that, that's, 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 that's a really, fact. That, but how many East Europeans are there on telly in Britain? I'm just going to go back to that. But that's a nationality. Our two biggest nationalities are unrepresented on our television screens. Disab disabled people are still underrepresented. Yeah, 
Um, what is that about? It's interesting, isn't it? We can't manage everything at once. It's like too hectic. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, you're all right because you're on the edge, Andrew. You're edgy in your whiteness and your maleness. I know. I'm on the edge. Just, I'm the least edgy person in the world. Aren't I? It's, it's so, I'm like a grandpa at 31. You something. are a bit of bunk, you know? yeah. yeah. But that's why I'm interested in people who are on the edge. Although you're on, are you on the edge? You're maybe on the edge. Sure, I, I want to talk a bit more. Are you I edgy? want to tell you about the way in which people who inherit celebrity and how they wear it differently. Mm. I think if you have come to celebrate, quite late in life you yeah. can't believe your luck and you're really generous with it sure you know it's a bit like oh i have a sprinkling of my magic fairy dust okay. there's a telly okay. there's a telly um chef called matt teber and i love him okay he's not massive but he works quite hard he's quite yep. you know he's increasingly known in the industry i think he's i've so, met him he's, he's very generous with his celebrity yeah. whereas i think some people who maybe have inherited it think that they've got this sort of special it's like being royalty telly royalty yeah and i don't think they're necessarily always as on, generous, yeah. they might be slightly more. The world is entitled. The word is entitled. What? What? And like who, for example, that you really hate? I would say the another generous one because yeah. let's say positive. Yeah, I see yeah, you yeah, pushing yeah, me yeah. into little holes. Yeah. Dan <laughs> Jones, who's a very good who? medieval historian. Dan Jones. Dan Jones. Very big. He's quite a big seller. Okay, you haven't heard okay. of him, no? Uh, yes, yes, I have. I just couldn't hear have. you. I just couldn't. You should you. get him on your podcast. Okay. Um, He's funny. I tried. Uh, Let me get Dan Jones on your podcast for you. I shall text him now. Well, not right now. Let's let me look, think about okay, not <laughs> doing right a now, show. But I quite fancy him, so I don't oh, like sending him a text. Right. No, he's a very attractive. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by 
other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I asked, um, the, what's his celebrity, death, dead celebrities? Um, Greg Jenner. I prefer yes. Dan Jones. Okay, much. I, I, I asked Greg, but he was really busy. Well, I think that Dan Jones is a better historian and more attractive. What makes someone a better or worse historian? He's just better. He's just better, right? He's a really good. Okay, rather than being better, let's not. Wait, he's a very good writer. Okay, and he writes with a whip pang whiz wop. I think Greg's got some of that. Yeah, I, he's got a bit of whiz pop. I feel there's more. I feel like maybe I feel that I'm getting a. It's less, a slightly less gimmicky. I don't want to compare the two, but for me, my taste leans towards Dan Jones. What would lean naturally towards Dan Jones? Yeah. I feel I learn more about the period. He de- delves into. He's, uh, you know, owns yeah. that period. He's classic. Yeah. You know, he's, you're a purist. You're a purist. I'm a purist, and he's he, he was up with the big boys. He's a very, very, very bright, bright guy. And um, and I also just want to get in that he handsome i have a little interest in med- the medieval oh, period right my, I, i'm not allowed to go back to many but they do have a lovely uh medieval prince called stefan stephen the great stefan chamari mm-hmm. and um and every time he had a successful fight he built something and if you want to remember be remembered yeah. colorful cathedrals we just monsters. need to yeah he did paint a monster you just need to build a lot all the time i mean i don't know what boris johnson he talked about that bridge didn't he between northern ireland i think he needs to build something because brexit mm. is not going to be a good way to be remembered he, oh he's doing the railway we're getting that new railway that no one's going to travel on because of covid yeah. hr2 slightly is faster it, is it hr2 or is that a hormone retreat hormone replacement treatment Fucking can't hell. remember but anyway something yeah. like that tell yeah. me about um Derek Akora. I want to hear about Derek Akora. Like, that just really interests me because you went, you did Paranormal Egypt, which was a serious. I love Derek. Derek died earlier this year, which was a real loss, actually, because he was the real deal, Derek. He young. actually managed to, there was a very heavy smoker. I think he did bloody well to live as long as he did. Wow. He was dancing. I always said to him, can your psychic powers not tell you that those silk cuts <laughs> are going to land you in a sticky mess, my friend? Yeah, yeah. He was lovely. And he traveled with his wife. And I don't huh. know, for some reason in my head, I thought Derek Akora would have had a showgirl wife with long nails and be a bit scary. And Gwen was lovely she was the real deal oh. i wanted her to take me to her bosom she didn't but that was my dream but how we did, did that, get on how did that happen because you're you're like a you know you are a historian and how did yeah. this paranormal stuff happen and i looked i couldn't find it anywhere i just got the trailer that was before i became a doctor okay so you were before a doctor let's get into that you were a presenter first. i was masquerading i was a i was a historian light like dan snow okay i was offered a gig Come to Egypt with Derek Akora and... How were you offered that gig? Was this the first thing you'd done or you'd... Because I flirted with him. 
you know, the, the thing is about Me Too, you see, the whole thing is, it, it, it's fine with people like Derek Akora because they don't have power of you and they don't take it seriously. And we just had a nice rapport. Do you know, we just got yeah. on, we did a little pilot together and we had a nice chemistry. We like to admit that anymore. We like to say I've got chemistry with someone. I had a chemistry with Derek Akora. It wasn't sexual, but it yeah. was fun and affirming. Slightly sexual. Well, chemistry. But would it have been the same chemistry if I'd been a man? It would have been a different chemistry. So there between, was between him and between the man you would have been and Derek Okora. Yes, it would have been different, wouldn't it? Like right now, Andrew. He might not have taken you. You're kind of you're not much fun, so quite difficult to flirt with. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> actually that's why I like Dan Jones. You grilled me about his book. So the real truth is Dan Jones is a massive flirt and I like flirting with him. Yeah. I'm I'm scared. It was Greg Jenner. I have only met him once, but I don't remember flirting with him. You know, rah! He doesn't look like he would flirt with you. No, I, you know, so I like him. But this is it, though, because you do, you talk, you know, passionately and rightly so about mm. the Me Too thing. But I think, mm. I guess some people could argue it that you sort of want yeah. it both ways, which is not necessarily wrong, because why shouldn't you have it both ways? But it's very complex. No, but that's, that's because what happens, the whole Me Too thing, this is what's been so misconstrued. Flirtation mm -hmm. is, yes. I think, part of our repertoire. It's part of the way humans communicate with each other. There would be no babies in the world if ultimately there was no flirtation. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that all flirtations end in procreation. They clearly don't. But it's just I flirt with old women. I flirt with my old women. I hold their hands. Physical yeah. contact's important. You know, I flirt with my daughter's friends. It's a kind of, it's, it's a, you know, obviously there's different kinds of flirting. But when it becomes sinister mm. is when it, you are obligated to flirt to please your boss you sure, have to yeah, behave well. in a certain way and it becomes instituted uh, you know it, it it's the structure of your relationship so you don't just do your job you also yeah. have to service and flatter his ego that's awful okay and that's that's part of but but and these 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 behavioral patterns unless you call them out they're very hard to identify you know what is being forced to flirt, you know, and mm. then if you work in the industry, you're often working late at night, you know, texting late at night, you're off. You, there's the sort of the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. all got to be aware of it. Women as well. I, I, it's it's very complicated though, because obviously, so Derek Okora, for example, is is 69. He was 69 when he passed away and uh, yeah. died. I'm, I don't like the word passed away. Passed away. He's so old fashioned. He died. Well, you know, specifically for him, he passed over to another side. Oh yeah, he know, will have passed. Yeah. He will have passed. <laughs> that's true, Derek. Of, of all people, he passed. Okay. Um, but, oh, but I love Derek. Someone like I mean, I'm 31. Greg Jenner's probably about 31 as well. Maybe. No, he's older this, than that. He's between older? us. But he's you grow up You grow up with a very different, you know, you're scared shitless. So it's not that you don't have that flirtatious side within you. But yeah, I know, it's changed. You're Things scared changed. out of your mind. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I'm worried all the time about what I say or think and do. I'm really glad I'm not a boy today. I'm glad I'm an old yeah. cougar. Yeah. <laughs> I would but you were giving me this cry me your white tears <laughs> thing earlier. Yeah. It I is know, but I, it's difficult. I agree. But I think yeah. it's difficult as a black boy. I think it's difficult as a man. I think it's difficult you know bearing a willy, which you is know why what? some people don't want them anymore. Okay. I'm going to call this episode, <laughs> It's Difficult Bearing a Willy. I, you know, I, I spoke again, Helen Lewis, she said yeah. this thing that I quite liked, actually. She said, because if you want to bring people around, she's a you know, staunch feminist, of course. Mm -hmm. That's what, one of the things she's known for. And she was saying, like, it's, it's actually 
not a good idea to tell people that you've had it easy, whether you're a white man or you're a man or you're white or whatever it might be, uh, because nobody has it easy. You know, everybody has mm. stuff. Everybody has stuff that's difficult. It might be an illness or a friend, this and that happened. We all have our struggles. And when you tell people that, they just turn off. They just don't want to listen. Mm. They move away from the whole idea. And she said, what is, what is better is to tell people, you know, you might have had a very difficult life, but statistically, in general, it was probably slightly easier than some other people's lives, but still hard. And I think that brings people around a little more. So I think that's where the whole kind of debate gets quite messy, doesn't it? Where you can't compare one with another and you can't presume that all white people, um, you know, but, but I don't think anybody does, actually, do mm. they? That, that's the point. Nobody is saying that, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's tougher. It's just nobody's saying that, you know, it, all white people have it easier than all black people. But to hammer home a message mm. in a very noisy world, you yeah. have to kind of hone it down and keep it really simple. So the blunt tool that is BLM, that kind of, you know, to hammer at home, it has to, you know, cause a bit of collateral damage in terms of not recognizing some of the pain in other, among other ethnicities or, or mm. seeming to tramp, trample on yeah. Uh, those areas but it's it, it, it's a it's a quagmire isn't it that that's the yeah. bottom line to talk about it but i think one of the dangers is that you know if you're stuck in a horrible poverty trap and you're white or you don't identify as black um a lovely um, friend of mine from morocco you know i said come on go and complain to the school you know come on sandy black lives matters and she went i'm not black just as she didn't I identify with that group, even though they would probably look to include her. You know, she's sure. a, a Muslim woman from Morocco. So it's complicated, but I would say if it's not a blunt tool, the messaging doesn't get through. So you can't go, oh, this life matters and this life matters, and it's not going to work on a hashtag, is it? It's tough, isn't it? But I mean, I, mean really I, I would argue that that blunt message, that very blunt message is the thing that sort of put Trump in power, for example. Yeah, it works on both sides. Yeah, I mean, if you are a white uh, you know, middle of America, you know, for lack of a better word, hillbilly, mm. right? Or you're told all the time your life's easy and they can't put food on the table, you know, and they're just like, oh, well, screw you. I'll just vote for Trump then. That's, I think that's what that was. I think Brexit had some of that as well. But uh, yeah, absolutely, it it did, and it's the blunt messaging. You need to break through. You need to get traction. You need to be heard, and at the yeah. same time, it causes collateral damage. And what I find frustrating as a centrist, it's really unsexy to be a centrist. No. But there is, it, it, the, you know, if you want, it's all about following now, isn't it? Influence, and if you're in the centre, you may as well not exist. You know, it's mm. it's. Unless you're polarized, so in the Meghan Markle debate, which I quite often talk about on um, various different media forums, you know, either you hate Meghan Markle, you know, um, yeah. or you believe that all of Britain is a racist and that's why Meghan Markle's left. Yeah. You know, and there seems to be like kind of no middle ground. There seems, you know, can't we say, oh, Meghan, you know, clearly didn't really buy into the royal family yeah. and, um, you know, came as this kind of ready made entity. Most people kind of marry in a bit earlier, like Kate. And maybe th there is also an issue for some people yeah. with her being American and a woman of colour. For some people. But I don't think we, you know, everyone needs to think that that's the only reason she was ejected 
partly, of course, she chose to remove herself. So it's really complicated and I find it exhausting, you know. I just have no time for, I'm just not, I, the royal, but you're a historian, you must be quite interested in the royal family. Well, I, what I find really interesting about the royal family is the royal, why has Britain's royal family survived? I'm going to go back to my lovely Romania. No, go I on. love Romania. Their yeah. Romanian family, you know, we know they were exiled by the communists, but there's all the way across Europe, there are sort of weird entitled people who believe they're still royalty because their families lost their thrones 50 yeah. to 60 years ago, and Romania's no exception. So why is the, in particular, the British royal family survived? And one of the reasons was in the 19th century, they gave up power. They didn't have any constitutional powers. And instead, they became popular. They, were, they traded power for popularity. And with to get popular, with loads of pomp and ceremony and all sort of mystique and gold carriages and this idea, this sort of tied us back to our roots, you know, yeah. with all the, the window dressing that we, the state, gave them. You know, sure. we facilitated it, all the great sort of jubilees at the turn of the 20th century. And we did it better than anyone else because we invested in it rather than having some Kaiser with powers or some Tsar who was an absolutist. We said, no, nah, you can't do any of that. You know, we don't know if you're going to be thick or bright and we're not going to take that risk. Instead, here you go, have a scepter and a crown and wave like this in a, in a carriage when it's yeah. raining because it's always raining in those events. It's a tourism thing. It's a tourism thing. Now, what's interesting is the lifeblood of our royal family historically since that time in the late 19th century has been the support of the conservative press. Hmm. When I say that's the Daily Mail and the Times, and they all kind of go, oh, lovely, you know, isn't it raw marvellous? Don't we do this well? Isn't Britain good at doing ceremony? You oh, know, yeah. we love it. And um, what, where Meghan Markle's interesting is she's come into this institution, which is anachronistic, dysfunctional, pretty unattractive. I mean, God, they're all plug ugly, despite having Diana's genes. God bless them. And, um, and she's clearly like not going to court the conservative media. And they were pretty brutal to her. So that, you know, was out of the picture. But she's taken the Duchess title and they've got loads of cash from goodness knows where, Netflix and Charlie's Pocket, I think. Yeah. And um, so I'm worried, and now she's become quite political, you know, you must vote, you know, 75 days till the election. It's quite clear she's anti-Trump. Yes. And it's very interesting because they've gone out on a limb and, and they're being political and there's no history of that working in the long term in the British royal family. You know, one of their reasons for their popularity is we don't know what they think. We don't know what their politics are. We can guess, probably fairly conservative, yeah. You know, they're an unelected family with loads of privileges. But not the kids. But we don't, we don't know. And what Meghan's done differently is she's gone out on a limb with Harry, of course, there's two of them there, and they are politicised now. And they still, but they still have that Duchess and Duke title. Now, I would say, where's their long-term support going to come from? Because the Liberal press, they're not naturally, no. you know, why would the Liberal press support somebody in a £14 million mansion with... Um, and, and yet they do, though. They're part of the liberazzi, aren't they? Where they're part of this kind of liberal sure. elite. That's what pisses people off. I mean, there's no. Is there any better example of a champagne socialist than than the, the, the royal monarchy? I mean, you know. Well, the, 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 well, I don't think there's. I don't think the royal family is champagne socialists because they're clearly hmm. probably champagne conservatives. No, but anyone who anyone who were you know became a, a socialist as such, or you know the the, the woke stuff. I, mean, I think people don't want to be lectured by Harry or by. 
I don't mind when Emma Thompson does it because I really like Emma Thompson. You fancy he, Emma Thompson, do you? You're, you're obsessed. I, I just love him. How can you not love Emma I'm Thompson? I'm obsessed. I'm just saying. I'm just wondering what, what the attraction is. You don't like Emma Thompson? How can you not? I, I don't mind Emma Thompson, but she lectures me about climate change more than Meghan Markle does. Well, that's what I mean. Well, that's what I mean. So people are pissed off at Emma Thompson as well. She just brought me so much joy in so many films that, fair enough, but Meghan hasn't done any films. I don't even watch Well, just because you don't like suits. I mean, some people just think she's gorgeous and because it was really that's nice to have off. a woman of current. Well, it's, sometimes it is, and she says the right things, and she's very lucid. Why Why not? She hasn't had time to do a PhD yet. Give her five years. Um, and and I also would, the interesting thing about Meghan Markle is she was, in, you know, this new kid on the block. It could have been done differently. Mm. So it's interesting to me that we attack Harry and Meghan, yeah. but actually, why don't we attack the royal family more for handling it so badly? And us for handling it so badly. Like they are just kids, really. They're in there younger than me, so I consider them kids. And also they yeah. both come from super damaged backgrounds and maybe they needed a bit of support. They're just trying to do things differently. I don't mind them lecturing me because I just switch off. I don't follow them on Instagram if I don't want to listen. That's fair enough. You know, why do people get so upset? What did our agent Hillary tell you that I asked about you just before? She wanted to, she said, you rang up. This is, by the way, this is how disloyal is Andrew is about his guests before he puts them on air. <laughs> what, I do research? She said, oh, I don't know what I can talk to Tessa about because she'll want to talk about Romania and who wants to know about Romania. I'm telling you now, Andrew, <laughs> oh that uh, Romania is the, one of the biggest countries in yeah. Europe. It's very well educated. Yeah. And it's got, I've got a fact for you. Yeah. It's got the biggest diaspora, proportionally I'm more part people of it. have left Romania. You're part of that. You're generations gone by bigger except for syria right uh, there's more people have left romania in the last eight years than any other country except for since syria proportion is about five million that is fascinating i did not say to, to hillary that no one would be interested in that i just said i need other stuff like any dirt on her what's the funny weird stuff on that note tell me why did you first you get interested in romania you are a beast because when i told you when i worked in an orphanage as a white savior within europe and tell me what happened yeah but tell me what what happened next oh i met a i met a boy when he was a boy and i married him later i've always had and this is, makes me seem i can't even <laughs> stitch myself up in this podcast because i've talked about me you too. wrote a book about it i know i wrote a book about it Wait, i don't talk about my but I have written several books and that book nearly broke my marriage. Was it To Romania With Love, was it? Was, it was, was called To Romania With Love, yes. yeah. But I never got translated in Romanian. I got a publisher because my husband was so angry that I wrote it. Oh so my don't, God. if you want a happy marriage, do not write a book about your partner. And I think women are better about being written about than men are because of the male ego. I would not be. No, I, well, it depends on the personality. Like, I don't mind being written about. You could write any... I'd love it, in fact. I yeah, think, but you're a PR whore. You just want to get everyone I, listening to On I, what, the Edge. What about you? It's both of us. Piss off off the edge My, right now. Both of our partners, I think, want to be left alone. I don't think they it's a male-female thing. They just don't want to... I try not to mention, I don't want to mention it too much, yeah. So You say you drag mine in, but not yours. You well, said she's got Polish past. Because mine actually listens to this. Does she? Because no. I've got this, who is Romania <laughs> on my YouTube channel, everyone. Who We're going to get to it. Yours is going to be longer, longer than the yeah. other podcasts. By the way, um, but he yeah. hasn't even watched them and he's Romanian. So you years. met him. When you met, he was yes. tw- 12 years old. He was 12. He wasn't in an orphanage. You were 37. I was a hundred, a hundred, and <laughs> yeah. Now, what I, were you? You um, were eighteen. 
No, I was about eight years older than him, which is a lot of the time. I was 19. But then I went, when you I went started back, dating. No, we did not date. Pissed Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'll be, I'll be serious now. Go on. Uh, Macron's is it, all totally fine anyway it's, now. Appreciate it, Macron. That's where I'm at. That's it's actually, you know what? Up. It's actually quite what? a nice story. So I'm gonna let, I'll let you it's tell It's a lovely that. story. Yeah, go it on. is a lovely story. And we're going on a double date this weekend because we've not been getting on very well recently. Okay. So I've instigated a double a date. A double yeah. a date. Yeah. Double date with the Italian family at 1915. Right. With who? With the with the Italian couple. What Italian couple? So we're going we're going on a double date. You know, just in case we run out of things to say because we've been married such a long time, we're going yeah. on a double date. So I've got an Italian man and a Romanian man. Brilliant. At the table, same time. Yeah. Tell the story. So, so I go out to work in an orphanage, and I loved. I just fell in love with Romania. I fell in love with the humanity and the way that they were so misunderstood, and the darkness that they'd exited from, and just being. It was an incredible privileged to be in a country that was just going through this extraordinary period of transition and I wanted to go back so I went to university Oxford Andrew Oxford I went to and um, I sat there in the library thinking I don't care about fat cor- corpulent Garrett ridden Henry VIII I want to go back to Romania Are you picking your nose while I'm telling you this I was I was sort of breathing on my hands and so I decided I wanted to go back and I went back and I, <laughs> I met pick this, my nose sorry and I on. went back to teach English just when I was 19. And I went to a different city called Yash, everybody, mm. Yash. And I met this lovely family because everyone was desperate for a little bit of the West at that time. Understandably, they'd been cut off from it for years and years and years. And there was just this one family who didn't give a staff. They didn't even notice me. I was like, notice me, everyone else is. And it was Stan's family. They were like, whatever. They were classic kind of Moldovan, like what, you know, yeah, go yeah. away, big blonde. And so I, you know, as soon as somebody isn't interested in you, you just muscle in, don't you? Me, me, like a Labrador at the window. Well, I do. Anyway. Well, you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, well, stop, stop, shut up. And then but he was really, really gifted at English, this 12-year-old. So I helped him get a scholarship, actually, to a school over here for a year, for, for half a year. The long should we never saw him again then for about seven years. When I went back, he was 18, 19, 18, actually, he was 18, anyway. It's 18. And I was 26. Mm-hmm. And he was gorgeous. I was like, oh my God, I totally fancy him. Oh. And then we got married in the end, but that's why I'm so anti-Brexit because we got married and everything before Brexit. So we spent years in immigration queues and Bucharest and the smell of fear. I never knew that humans excreted a hormone that smells the, there is the smell of fear is a real thing hmm. it, it, we smell differently when we're scared we excrete something because you could smell it in the immigration queues i can't believe we're going back there and it's going to be us in the queue bloody hell anyway I've, he's got a right to remain visa but in those days you know i had to do lots of lying why did he first come over because they don't want you to admit it's a relationship he might kind of you know yeah. so i had to, my mum invited him over and then he came and studied and we're always faking documents and yeah. paying yeah. fortune it's really boring being an immigrant we're about to go through that because I want to move back to the UK at some point and, and so my girlfriend's got a Polish passport, which, up, you know, until December the 31st is okay for her to live. Oh, you quick, 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 quick. Yeah, we're not ready to move back yet, so... Why do you marry her and then she just get in as your... Even then you need to have, like... I was going to whole... say your fuck buddy, but once you get married... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it's ambitious. But, yeah, it um... is ambitious. <laughs> so that was that's quite an amazing story. Um, oh, did you sound really underwhelmed by my entire interview. That's just what my voice sounds like. That's why I'm not a big presenter because I don't have that. I don't have that voice, do I? I don't have that. I'm very overwhelmed. I think this is a great. Inter- it's going to be the longest one yet because you're very interesting to talk to. To piss off. Can you cut out? Can you cut out a bit about Black Lives Matter? Because I don't know if white people should really talk about it because I'm scared. Like well, you all are. of it. 
Not all of it, but we can discuss Any, that. Anything that's controversial. Anything the- that makes me sound clumsy because it's very, that's one of the, right. one of the biggest issues I think today. And I'm, look, I've got a blooming doctorate and I still yeah. don't know how to articulate. No one does. Yeah, that's the problem. We're all a bit scared yeah. to speak and then people vote in ugly ways in the ballot box. And I think that's yeah. slightly where we're at at the moment. And I'm exactly. scared of that. Exactly. Um, that's what I was exactly. saying. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying, isn't it? I'll take and out the bit been- about the, the Jews as well. Yeah. I'll take that bit out. Take that bit out. You protect your lot. Yeah, I see that. Look after your own. You're I'm looking after you. I'll put it back in if you want. No, take it out. Take it out. Take it out. Take it out. You'll get David Baddiel knocking on your door tomorrow. David Baddiel watches loads of porn. I know that because um, he talks about I work it. For production. Does he? Does he talk about it? Or does he talk yeah. about it now? I oh yeah. Before he talked about it. Oh go oh, on. Does he? I don't follow him anymore. But him um, and his dad yeah. have done a Who Do You Think You Are, and yeah. uh, they ratchet up loads. Big Bill. What on like TV porn in the hotel? think so yeah can i leave that in well i don't know is it common it's not common knowledge is it but i think that was maybe that's why it instigated his decision to talk about it i don't think he'd be bothered with it because firstly he's not going to listen to this and secondly he does talk about it a lot on like ricky gervais podcasts and stuff like that yeah okay well there you are i know him and his dad you know father and son that kind of i don't know if they watched it together but they obviously on the on the road you know at some point together or i don't know Oh my, oh my goodness goodness also i've got to go because you know i'm writing another book about older women because you've got okay. to keep it's like you know when you find something that you're good at yeah. you need to stick with it okay and one of them two of them have is about women and two of them have been in contact with me recently yeah and said they're worried in my in my interviews i asked them too much about sex <laughs> it's about the war the war stories in the army <laughs> and, uh, because people interested. should people should listen to your podcast by the way shouldn't shouldn't they but no, I've done them now. Yeah, they're still out there. They're still, you know. Do you think I'm worried that I've been too risque, Andrew? I'm scared now. I listened to a few of them. They were totally fine. That one with Ben Fogel uh, was No, good. that one, it was quite straight. My podcasts were very straight because they were for behind the front line. They were specifically straight. I've, I've gone as far to the edge. I've flown as close to the wind as I feel comfortable Icarus. with you. How was Ben Fogel? He wasn't as friendly and as forthcoming as you are, and he didn't retweet about my podcast. What's the point of having a celebrity on if yeah. they don't give you any traction or love? That's why I asked, because you were publicly livid. Was I publicly livid? I was a bit like, that's... Yeah, you tweet, you tweeted about it. Did I? So it's a bit mean, isn't it? If you go on something and then they don't, you know, retweet to their million followers or whatever they've got. Everyone I've had on has retweeted, so that is a bit mean of him. Which is, yeah, it's, it is a bit mean. What I've not enjoyed, this is that all 46-year-old women are going to understand this, doing a podcast with a man who's 15 years younger than you. I keep wanting to tuck my face under my headphones. Are you mad? What are you talking about? Joanna Lumley. The thing is, it's blurry enough that I can't see anyway. Can you not? Like this. Do you get, um, what's it called, the injection things? No, I've never had it, but I'm thinking of getting it. Because you look like you do. Is that a compliment? No, but after I've been talking to you for blooming an hour, you look like you've got baby skin. It's not very attractive in a man, though. You probably look better when you're a bit older. (laughs) Fuck me. Well, yeah, my girlfriend likes me to shave it as well. It's it's a longer beard. but Yeah, Yeah, I don't like stubble. It's not nice to kiss. It takes off your foundation. It's horrid. That's what she's saying. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's not. It's not a good sex tool. Just my tip. That would be my tip. I'm just trying to think. Is there anything I haven't asked you quickly? Is it, I... No, so I'm going to go and write my book, talk about Meghan Markle, okay. but not get into trouble. Watch that pitfall, pithole, and promote yeah. who is Romania. You didn't yeah. mention my queen. I was just about to go into who is Romania. Meaning, queen Mary. Don't like you. Hate you. <laughs> right, let's do Does it. Ever... Come on, quickly tell me about so it. No, quickly. It's okay. It's I forgot I you'd have to go. I didn't know you'd have to suddenly go. I was, I've got, look, I've got, right, there's my notes. I've got, you can't even... Does it taste Esther as a genius? All the Romania stuff, which will be backwards for you, but it's oh, all here. Oh, you're such a bastard. There's the Romania stuff. The bottom line is, I, um, yeah. I've done, because they want because everyone associates them with, you know, 
they, they get a very bad press, the Romanians. They're seen yeah. as sort of pickpockets. And yeah. I don't know why, because they're highly educated. And this, yeah. I think they're one of the biggest workers in our NHS. And we at the NHS and put love hearts and fairy unicorns and rainbows around them. So they're looking to explain more about the heritage. And I volunteered because I am a doctor, a, a historical doctor, not a rainbows and a, a proper NHS doctor. And um, so we've done these little stories about big, big hitters, big Romanian hitters. Can you name okay. any? The big Romanians, um, there was Popescu like 20 years ago. Dimitrescu, Ili Dimitrescu. Uh, uh, Petrescu was played for Chelsea, you're right. Uh-huh, Petrescu, uh-huh. I used to ask how I learned his and remembered his yeah. name. Was, is Di Matteo played, Italian yeah. or Romanian? You're thinking of uh, all sports people. What about, you can name a probably a very good Romanian tennis player at the moment. Mm. Samona? No, I've never heard Halep? No, Siobhan no. Wimbledon? No. no? Okay, no. you weren't no. watching. It was the only time the Telegraph newspaper wrote anything positive about a Romanian was when Simona Halep God. won Halep. Halep. We can't believe I got the name wrong. Well, there's um, loads of countries, aren't there? You can't know stuff about everything. I mean, what do you know about Lithuania? Wait a minute. Let me just tell you the story. It's the Daily Telegraph. It's going to be the only time they've written something positive about Romania was when Simona won Wimbledon and held up the plate. They only get a plate, don't they, women, I think, and then get the cup. I don't know. Anyway, she's Too bloody right. There. To that right. Um, so, um, and I thought this is amazing. The Telegraph will write something positive. And it was an entire article about how Serena Williams lost her title as opposed to how Simone uh, won it. Well, hang on. That happens. That's like, yes, the other day, Tottenham, my team, beat Man United 6-1. And all of the articles, and all it was all about Man United losing. But it was just a chance, you know, because it's quite an interesting story how she came yeah. you know, from this recently communist country, you know, how she made her way. It's a great story. We, we would love a female Wimbledon winner, Britain, with all our money and our tennis courts and our cucumber sandwiches, you know, and, and we could have done a really interesting article and we believe I didn't, but they're not my famous Romanians. Mine come from history. Where are people going to be able to see it, by the way, as well? Tessa Dunn on my YouTube channel. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, which I try and do in Romanian as well, which is a struggle. I started watching and I honestly was very interested. Piss off. I was. Learned loads about Queen Mary, who was... Queen Marie, say her name right. She Queen was Mary. Prince Charles is obsessed with Romania, by the way. He goes there all the time. Yeah. Me and Prince Charles. I love Prince Charles. He's my favourite royal, can I just say? I love yeah. him. Yeah. Love. Yeah. He's underrated. He's a bit like you, avuncular, <laughs> pale, dark hair, slightly dull. I mean, what's not to love? And he Prince loves Charles Romania. is a new one. Yeah. yeah, Prince Charles is my new hot sex tip. Yeah. Hot sex tip. I can't believe I said that. Prince Jesus. Charles, I don't mean that. Okay, come on. I love him. <laughs> you can get so, in trouble for Camilla. that. Camilla, yeah. don't cut that bit. And Camilla, okay. she's such a good egg. Yeah. Camilla's been, you know, they had some trauma and heartache, sure. but they got they got there in the end. They like Romania. They like. I don't think he's ever taken Camilla though. It's weird, isn't he? Goes every year. I don't think he's ever taken Camilla. Anyway, yeah, she hates um, His he calls her his great aunt. She was Queen Marie of Romania. She was born in um, England in Kent. And, you know, and very yeah. pretty and Queen Victoria's yeah. granddaughter. And she sent off Virgo intacto, age 17, and is given this very ugly German prince who becomes king of Romania. And she becomes the queen and she's big, big in the First World War. She's a huge success story, talking of royal success stories. In fact, Meghan Markle maybe models herself on her. But she's no longer quite royal, is she? But she had yeah. something of the common touch. And I think Meghan Markle's got a bit of that. And I think that's one of the yeah. reasons why our royal family feels threatened. Because Diana, you know, the guy who abdicated Edward VIII, they all had something in common, which is the common touch. Mm. And that's threatening if it becomes briefly bigger than the institution itself, because the firm okay. must survive. And, mm. you know, they will cannibalise in order to survive almost. I think you, they, they were, honestly, jokes aside, you know what it is, it's because I know you already, it's very hard to compliment you because it does come across as 
sarky doesn't it i can't do that sort of graham norton telling everyone that you know but i did actually enjoy it and it, there's no way of telling you i enjoyed listening enjoyed what enjoyed watching you, sh- you sent me a couple of uh videos from 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 who is romania we- um I thought you were going to tell me you'd enjoy talking to me for an hour. I've loved talking to you for an hour. It's been in a slightly flirtatious way because you have no power over me, so you can't flirt. <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, but I told you I've grown up in that in that world where I can't, you know. And I told you my girlfriend listens to this, so hi. If your girlfriend likes me and she knows that I'm not a threat, I'm too old to be a threat. Hi there, hi Andrew. Thanks for chatting. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, By the way, I signed an NDA and I flirt, so get your head around that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm a doctor, so everything I say is correct. You're a doctor. You know what? No. I love it when I met you because you, you, everyone, everybody expects a doctor to be quite doctory. Do you know what I mean? And you, you were not at all like that. I came to it too late. That's my problem. No, but that's your, that's your, that's not your problem. It's to your benefit. I mean, it's fantastic. That's why you're a presenter. It's why you do these programs, why people love them. And it's why you can make even someone like me enjoy learning about Queen Marie. Queen Marie. He's still not got it. I said oh, Queen Marie. God. Queen Marie. I'm signing off now. Do you know why? Because yeah. I'm going to uh, pick up. Yeah. The baby from the childminder. Okay. So actually, that that that's so unglamorous. So let me find a more sexy way of signing off. Yeah. Andrew, I've got to go now yeah. to service my marriage. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? It was pretty crazy, but it was it was great to finally get her on the show. Uh, I'm so glad she was on. She was really a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to putting the most outrageous parts without any context on my Twitter and Instagram pages, which you can find on andrewgold underscore OK. Of course, you'll find Tessa on uh, Insta on Tessa underscore Dunlop and Twitter at Tessa Dunlop. Find Who is Romania, her wonderful new series, on her eponymous, is that how you pronounce it? It means namesake. Uh, YouTube and Facebook pages. So Tessa Dunlop, search for that. Who is Romania? You'll get it. Disclaimer. I can neither confirm or deny the rumours about the consumption of porn by David Baddiel and his father. I don't know David Baddiel. I've tried to get him to reply to some tweets and things, and he has occasionally done so. And I have heard him talk about porn on the Ricky Gervais podcast. So, you know. Also, I wasn't picking my nose, as I'm far more likely to do that when I'm not Skyping with someone. I mean, I think that was a deflection tactic by tessa who i had on the ropes what a segue that is because speaking of on the ropes next week is ria o'reilly the irish wrestler who's going to talk to me about the speaking out movement which got no mainstream coverage but is an extension of the me too thing in wrestling and all these horrible wrestling men got held to account i mean it's the most amazing story and it's just been totally ignored so that's next week i'm really looking forward to that In the coming weeks, there are some really big names and great guests coming on the show, from hypnotist Chris Hughes to linguist Dr. Lyra Boroditsky, who's going to talk about how different languages can shape how we think, which I find fascinating. I love that stuff. So, so excited. I I basically begged her, (laughs) this doctor, to come on the show. Um, So she's coming on in a couple weeks. Um, And then for Halloween, I've got spooky cartoonist David Firth of Fat Pie, Fat Dash Pie. It's uh, is a website where he has a lot of his cartoons and you you might know him for his Salad Fingers series, uh, which is pretty scary, weird stuff. But he's done so much and I've been totally addicted to it for, for such a long time. And it's just perfect uh, for Halloween. So yeah, I've got some homework for you if you want. Obviously check out Tessa's Who Is Romania series. Watch the movie Arrival to learn about the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis about how language shapes meaning and thoughts and the way we think and communicate that's obviously for dr boroditsky 
Uh, you'll thank me later because it's just so I find it's so interesting. And go to fat-pie.com and start binging David Firth's stuff. Uh, maybe start with Salad Fingers. It might be too creepy for you, but it is Halloween, so you've got to sort of go the extra mile, don't you? You've got to let yourself be a bit freaked out. He's a really immense talent, aside from anything else. And not all of his stuff is scary and weird, but it's it's you know those cartoons got me through university. Thanks so much, by the way, listeners, for your reviews, follows, and messages. I loved hearing from Madeline Ingham, an MSc psychology student who uh, got got through to me on Twitter. And she said, found your podcast recently and I'm really enjoying it. I love listening to podcasts on the train as traveling makes me anxious. So I'm really glad I found yours. Would love for the episodes to be longer. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks, Madeline. So I'm really glad those are keeping you company, Madeline. Seriously, it's such a lovely message. It really is. And it makes the whole thing worthwhile you know because otherwise i'm just a mentalist just sitting here shouting at a microphone with nobody else in the room it's a bit eerie actually izzy zia izzy zia um <laughs> magnifico uh no izzy that's that's her name izzy zia izzy zia left an apple review saying best podcasts around please don't stop making these it's very nice of you to say izzy zia uh, i hope you keep listening um and appreciate me reading this out and then there was Mrs. Bo Spangles. I don't know if she's related to the song Mr. Bo Jangles. I love that song. But uh, she wrote, eye-opening, honest and thought-provoking, and doesn't pretend to be anything it's not. From the episodes I've heard so far, this is refreshingly good journalism, and I'm hooked. Well, that's a lovely message as well. Thank you so much, Mrs. Bo Spangles. It's, it's so funny, isn't it? Because you, <laughs> I can't click on the people who leave the review so i don't know who they are uh and some of them could just be friends of mine or family members who are doing it as a favor and haven't really actually listened to any of the podcasts so you know also it's a bit ridiculous isn't it at the end of this thing just me reading out nice messages about myself i did do one a few episodes ago where there were bad messages about me that i read out as well but now it's starting to become like sycophantic about myself sound like a maniac so you know what would be cool if you could leave messages like that and then tell me something like interesting about you or tell me like, where are you when you're listening? What's the weirdest places that you are when you've listened to one of these podcasts? Are you on the train like Madeline was? Or are you like in the bath or like something ridiculous? Like that would be great. That's the kind of thing. Or just tell me something weird about your day, something that I can include. So it's not just me telling everyone how wonderful everyone thinks I am because I, yeah, it's just totally nuts, isn't it? So please do leave those messages. This is a very long outro, isn't it? So I'll, I'll let you get on with your day now. See you next week with the wrestler Rhea O'Reilly. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.